be a good matchup. Yeah, a disappointingly good matchup. Uh, we went out one night and we actually ran into some of the Bowling Green players. Colton Erickson will throw a touchdown pass. Mason Katrina. I'm your host, Chris. You can find me on the social medias at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. And that is TJ. Hey there, guys. You can find him at TJ Hopkins 13 on all the social medias. But you're not a big social media guy. Not quite on Twitter yet. Yeah, I'm working on it. working on it. Yeah. But uh, you can also find Tubs at the Club podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and all the other fun sources where you find your podcast. And, of course, as always, on TubsAtTheClub.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is episode eight. We're we're flying through these. We're coming uh, off the first and only bye week of the season until hopefully we get a seated berth into the playoffs. Yeah, I had a bye week as well yesterday, last T- week. TJ took a bye week oh, as well. Got that up. Yes, everyone was tired of you. Rest and recovered. We needed more Martin. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's actually kind of like the real beginning of the season as mm-hmm. this is the beginning of conference play. Yeah, and not just for the Vandal football team, for just about all the Vandal sports. Yep. Which which is good, but of course we're going to be headlining this one with number 25 Idaho at number 17 UC Davis, mm-hmm. but we'll get into that one after we start our kind of new segment that we started doing last week, Reading the Argonaut, where we'll kind of just breeze through a quick what's going on with all the other Vandal sports out there, so everybody's up to date on how, how we are doing as a whole. So we'll start with the soccer team, they ended up beating Seattle University 3-2 in overtime in a huge win last week, but then they went on to lose in Eugene to the Oregon Ducks 2-0. Their next games are at home in the Kibbe Dome against Portland State on Friday and Sunday against Sac State. So make sure if you're in the Moscow Pullman area, go check them out. Definitely. The volleyball team finished their last tournament of the year, the Fullerton Classic. They'll begin conference play as well, actually tonight. Mm. They, in the Fullerton Classic, didn't go the way they wanted. They lost in three straight sets to San Francisco. They lost 2-3 to UC Riverside. And they ended up finishing it off with a 3-1 win against Cal State Fullerton. But they are currently playing Eastern Washington right now. And, TJ, I know you were looking. Do we have a score update? I'll, I'll try and keep you guys updated. I'm getting the score up here. I guess it doesn't matter because they'll listen to this on Thursday. Yeah. And the score will be posted. They'll know. So First thing. <laughs> hopefully you watch this and at this point you're going, we won. Oh, man. We yeah. won. Tell them already. All right. Uh, but the women's golf team is also in action. They just come back from their last tournament, that branch law firm. Dick McGuire Classic. What a name. Yeah. How do you expect that name at a place like Albuquerque, New right, Mexico? That's fitting. They finished tied for 10th, so they made a top 10 finish. That's good for the team. And then they are currently playing in the Pratarmagan Ram Fall Classic. I, that was closer. Pretty, no. What do you think it was? I, I was going to say, yeah, Pratarmagan. Playing in the Ram Fall Classic in Fort Collins, Colorado. They're mm-hmm. currently tied for 8th. Nice. The men's team is also playing in Fort Collins, Colorado. They're currently in 15th, and they're playing in the Ram Master. That's a way better tournament. The football team news that we won't be discussing in this podcast too in-depthly. Well, we probably will anyways. But they fell two spots in the Hero Sports rankings to number 25. They also canceled a 2023 game at FBS NIU to play FCS Simon Fraser. Actually, I, yes. they are not FCS. They are because they're Canadian. Yes. To play a Canadian team. I don't know if they count D two or I don't know how that works. SFU. I probably should have looked into that. But yeah, we got a home game out of it against a Canadian team. Mm-hmm. So now it's uh, we got 
more segments coming up for you, the typical shuffleboard segment, and then we'll have a player interview also later in this podcast. We'll be interviewing Marcel Posey, who's yeah. on the 2009 Humanitarian Bowl. I got lots of questions for Marcel. Yeah, <laughs> lots of questions for Marcel. Uh, for those of you that don't know too much about him, he played wide receiver at the University of Idaho. He's from Corona, California. But we'll get more into that in the interview, which will come up after we talk about the upcoming game against UC Davis. So mm-hmm. let's kick it into that. Yeah. TJ, UC Davis only lost 30-10. to 10. To number nine Stanford last week. Yeah, I mean they played a good game against them. There's nothing we could say differently, but uh, you know they stepped up to a, a number nine opponent in the country and said, you know, we're gonna put up a fight. It seems like their offense may have been kind of lacking that game, but their defense stepped up in a big way to contain not only the Stanford offense but Bryce Love as well. Um, it looks like they've got some big players on both sides of the ball, uh, ready to play. But hopefully, you know, they might be a little tired, beaten up from playing them to uh, play us this week. That's kind of what I'm hoping. They look good. I was kind of hoping this score would come out like 60-3. to Yeah. Um, luckily, it, it slowed down their high-powered offense, which which is good. But, I mean, that was, I guess, kind of to be expected. Yeah. But, I mean, Keelan Doss still went off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was like 139 yards on like 13 catches. He right. went off. Yeah. But they actually surprisingly, from what I've noticed, have been running the ball a lot more, and they had a lot of success with that in the game against Stanford as well. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting, man. They're, they're on the up and up. It um, seems like they have a lot of weapons um, they can use to attack, but you know, it seems like they can also be contained at the same time. So it's kind of a factor of how well the Vandals come out and, you know, be ready to play. Yeah, so I guess what's kind of, what's kind of we obviously don't need to do it too much into their matchup. This is an Aggie podcast, yeah. so I mean, let's just kind of switch gears totally to previewing our game mm-hmm. and exactly how all this translates into, into playing us. Man, I'm kind of worried. I mean, I'm pretty worried. I beginning of the season i think we all chalked this up actually i did chalk this up i think as an l in the beginning of the season mm-hmm. when we did the big podcast with all of us you've been on the uc davis bandwagon train I, yes, it's not a bandwagon <laughs> i just i knew they were going to be sneaky dangerous yeah. i just didn't think they would show it before conference play and i think as a vandal this week is huge i think know? it's crucial yeah because you lost a lot of fan excitement when you lost to fresno state mm-hmm you didn't gain much of it back, if any, when you beat Western New Mexico. You had a bye week for people to kind of really take two weeks off now. Yeah. And they're starting to go, all right, where's Idaho at? They saw us not play last weekend. It probably kind of bothers them. Yeah. They're like, all right, but this is the return. This is the big sky. This is what we came in for. They don't know who UC Davis is, most of them. Mm-hmm. So this is where they should be looking at us and going, all right, we should win this game. It's our opportunity. And I don't think a lot of people are looking at the number next to UC Davis no. and realize that they're having – Maybe an all-time year for them, at least in the last decade, from yeah. what I know. Unfortunately, we're the we're the first ones up to really test them in conference play because they haven't really necessarily been tested yet either. I mean, they've beaten FCS uh, FCS San Diego team and San Jose State, State, which hasn't played necessarily totally good, but they haven't played awful. We don't really know what San they Jose also, State's they, like. They also put up good numbers against them, and, yeah. and that's the thing is that we're going to have to – not only score ourselves, but contain them and find some way to, you know, on defense, slow down all their weapons. Yeah, but I also think that's originally looking at the San Jose State game. I, I was impressed in the terms of the FCS, but as I've stated multiple times on here, I do think that we need to remember that we were an FBS team no more than a year ago. And I think we might have had a legitimate shot at going toe to toe with San Jose State. That being said, 
they beat them, and mm-hmm. they beat them in their place. I, it, it shook me a little bit, but nothing shook me as much as the Stanford game. Mm-hmm. For the people that don't know, it's the whole Dan Hawkins thing is what I'm afraid of. Dan Hawkins is the guy who originally was the Boise State guy nemesis. who used to run the numbers <laughs> up on nemesis us. for the Vandals. <laughs> he was like the original guy that started beating us like 60-0. to zero. It might have been Dirt Cutter, but I'm pretty sure Dan Hawkins was at the helm when they really started blowing us out consistently. And I know we've had different, multiple coaches since then. For him, this is still kind of a little bit of a grudge match. I'm sure he did not like Idaho that much mm-hmm. at Boise State. And he has that to play off of. And no one in Idaho knows who Dan Hawkins is, nope. except maybe a couple of the coaching staff. And maybe Petrino knows you know, a little bit about the past between him, but this is an opportunity for Petrino to, to fire these guys up. You know, yeah. This is the, this is the first time that not only will the big sky see us, but an FCS you know, nationwide kind of have our eyes on us saying, wow, what are these Vandals going to do? They're actually playing you know, someone that, that matters within our, within our division. And that, that brings up an interesting point. Like I said with my point on – I went on that rant earlier in the year. we got to view ourselves as an FBS school. Yeah. I just think we have to. And if you look at the last decade's worth of games, so 2007 to 2017, we were 7-1 against the FCS. Hmm. Now, that being said, that sounds really great. The loss, I know a lot of people are probably worried about, was to number 12 Eastern Washington, who actually had a pretty good playoff year that year. In the Kibido. So Yeah, <laughs> and that was week one. So people get snuck up on. Eastern's done it to Wazoo. They've done it to Oregon State. Almost did it to Dub. Nothing to be laughed at that yeah. Eastern Washington snuck up uh, up on us in a year or in a decade where they've snuck up on bigger boys than us. So I'm not too worried about the Eastern result. But then I started to dive into the numbers a little bit more. 2017, we had a 21 point win against Sac State. That was pretty unimpressive. Hmm. We had a 20 to 17 win against Montana State in 2016. That was the bowl year. Yeah, and we only beat Montana State by three in Jeff Choate's first season. In 2015, we beat Wofford, which wasn't very good at the time, 41-38. Then we beat North Dakota. We lost to Eastern in 2012, 3-20. We lost in two that, or won in 2011, 44-14 against North Dakota. We also won 45-0 against North Dakota in 2010. This is not the Bison for people. That it's the, They used to be the Fighting Sioux. Now they're the Fighting Hawks. They're the other team that are quasi-Big Sky, but aren't Big Sky. Different podcast story. 2008... We beat Idaho State 42-27, and 2007 we beat Cal Poly 20-13. Not a lot of impressive wins there, but wins. Yeah, and, and when you line them up, yes, that, that, that does seem a little nerve-wracking. But still 7-1. Yeah, exactly. And if we went 7-1 in the big sky this year, we'll do all right. We'll, we'll be in the playoffs. We mm-hmm. might be seeded. Probably not. Yeah. But we could be. That, that's kind of my thoughts mm-hmm. on UC Davis is they're really good offensively. And we're going to have to do something to slow that down. Yeah. The quarterback situation is going to be interesting. We, we don't need to beat the horn any more than it's been beat on Thank the quarterback for that. competition. I think everybody's tired of hearing about the quarterback competition, not just the quarterbacks. But it brings up the fan poll of the week, which has some pretty telling results there, TJ. So we asked you guys a day ago and reaching out for our weekly hashtag AskTATC questions. We actually asked you guys, the fans or listeners – or people that just want to follow the Vandals, we haven't lost to an FCS team since 2012. Do we keep the streak alive this week against the UC Davis football team? Tune in to the podcast Thursday to hear our thoughts. You're tuning in. 63% said yes. So about 
two and three. A little less than two and three people think we are going to win this game. That's 78 votes. That's a good amount. Well, well, first of all, thanks, everyone, for voting. That really helps us out a lot, and that that feels great. Um, I know you like to think of us as an FBS team or or view that, but I think this is a— I think we need that mentality. I don't view it. No, right. But this is a cool opportunity. You know, this is going to be a bare-knuckle brawl. You know, this is two teams that are kind of matched up similar to, you know, the threats and the athletes that they have. So it, I think we should come out saying, hey, that's the better team that's going to come out. It's not going to be the team that should win or the team that, you know, has the more talent. Let's get out there. Let's kind of, you know, get a battle going. And if we pull out a win that's a close win, that's going to feel a lot better than, you know, having this, you know, maybe semi-large FCS win. Um, I think it would kind of come off a little bit stronger for us to, you know, earn this win and and come out with a W starting the Big Sky schedule with UC Davis under under our belt. I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. TJ, with, with that being said, mm-hmm. let's put the pregame discussion on this game after a bye week where we've kind of covered this game twice now. Yeah. Your keys to the game. I think defense is going to be a big one. As we've seen from our previous two games, uh, we have let up some points. And uh, this is a team that's going to, you know, try and find a way to score. Uh, I think if our secondary, you know, comes out firing and, and they're ready to in all their coverages and making the right plays and not letting big plays go over the top, we'll have a good chance for our offense to come on the field and score for us. I know they have some good defenders, but I know we can beat them as well. We have a lot of good threats, uh, wide receivers, Isaiah Saunders and running backs. Isaiah Saunders are running back. Unger at wide receiver. So if we get to, I mean, those guys will get theirs. They'll get open. If we are able to contain them on defense, I think that's going to be a big thing for us. And if we, if they score on us, we need to, you know, get back at it. We can't hang our heads low and say, then that's, it could be some shadowing of previous vandals, but we have to come back out and say, hey, you know, we'll get ours. We'll score this next round and get back in it. So my keys to the game are going to be, I don't know if it's so much contain Keelan Doss as it is match Keelan Doss. If he's going to get 130 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. on us, we need Unger and Jeff Cotton and those guys to put up similar numbers. Exactly. I'm not too worried about everybody else, but we're going to have to match them if we want a chance. And then I think it's time for that defense to force a turnover. Yeah. I think we're going to have to do it. Their quarterback had two last week. I think we go out, go after them, send the exotic yeah. blitz plans, yeah. some weird drop zones, and see if we can catch them over the middle with a like Caden Ellis or... We have really athletic linebackers. Right. Try to have one of those guys snag it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it could be a huge game changer. I think if we come in, stomp them right in the teeth in the first couple plays, I think they're going to get flustered going, holy crap, maybe we weren't as good as we th- thought we were. Right. And hopefully that lasts for us. But easier said than done, that's why it's a key to the game. Right, right? exactly. If it happens, we should win. Mm-hmm. You don't usually do all your keys to the game and lose. Right. We force a turnover, match Keel and Doss, punch them in the face early, Everything you said. And put up and, points. And yeah. if we lose, we should just quit the podcast. Then <laughs> <laughs> we don't deserve it. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we'll actually be, we'll see how this transition goes. It's our first interview on Tubs at the Club. So we're going to be doing this, patching in Marcel Posey. Here's that conversation. All right, TJ. Yeah, we got Marcel Posey on the line with us. Special guest. Special guest, first special guest on Tubbs at the Club. Also a a good friend of ours. Marcel, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm uh, pretty excited, as a matter of fact. So looking forward to this all day. Not your first interview, though, right? Uh, Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. You played on the team from, what, 2008 to 2012? 
That's Marcy. Uh, fun fact about Marcel, I believe, I haven't checked this year, but as of last year, you were still the 47th highest recruit on scout.com that I know has ever signed. <laughs> and I believe you know that because I've told that to you. Subtle drop. I like he, it. He also dreads. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Still looks good without the dreads. Uh, but yeah, we got the, the myth, the man, the legend with us. The best wide receiver to ever wear 10. Yeah. Wait, how did you wear 10 if Andrew Lee was wearing 10? Well, I was number 15 before, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, before Andrew Lee left. Well, I think TJ has the best question for you to start with. First of all, Marcel, thanks so much for doing this for us. Uh, I know I already asked you way too many Vandal questions, but I'm glad we got this over the podcast. <laughs> I kind of just a first general question is, what was your favorite season as a Vandal? Oh, that's easy, man. Uh, that would be the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the that was the season since I when I was there. Obviously, we went to um, I went to the bowl game and played uh, you know Bowling Green, but uh, you know just see the atmosphere change dynamically from the first season uh, when I was a Vandal. Uh, you know, we're winning. We started four and zero. Or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we started uh, one and one uh, because we lost uh, to UW. Uh, if you guys remember that, and then yeah. after that, we went on a we went on like a four win streak, and uh, and it was just man, it was just uh, man, it was amazing. We had all the guys brought together, and we just uh, we were just having fun, man. So it was uh, the definitely the 2009 season. Oh, yeah, I bet that atmosphere in Moscow had to been just perfect. <laughs> yeah, which, which brings up to my, my question to tie in with TJ's. Can you explain kind of your, your thoughts, your memories, humanitarian bowl, winning that game, and just the whole atmosphere of, you know, that, that whole game? Because that when we did our, you know, top 10 Vandal moments, that was actually, uh, I believe it was one or two. It was the top two, definitely. So, yeah, big, big moment in Vandal history over our F. FBS, arguably our biggest win ever. Yeah, um, man, I'll tell you right now. I mean, uh, the one thing that was hard too was the fact that we, you know, we had to spend Christmas together. Now, it wasn't necessarily <laughs> a, a necessarily a bad thing. Wow, you know, because, uh, we were playing on uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, so you know, we spent uh, so kind of go through the whole process of December. Now, at this point in time, you know, we we started you know season off in uh, in August, so December. You know, it's already been a long season. You know, our bodies are kind of messed up and uh, or beat up. And again, you know, we're continuing to practice and and staying in shape. And it was just uh, I'm not gonna lie, man, it took a toll on our bodies. But um, but with that being the, the not so much a downsize or a downlook on that, we did get a whole bunch of gifts. And uh, you know, Coach A.P. and and the um, and the organization or program actually took care of us, and we got some gifts on on, on Christmas, and we had a big old dinner. And, and whatnot, and and if my if my memory serves me correctly, we were able to stay at the uh, stay at a hotel. So this was all before we we flew down to uh, uh, Boise. Yeah. So after that, uh, so we had the option of staying at the uh, at the Best Western. So I think just for the night, if we wanted to. So we had that option. But we flew down to uh, to Boise, and uh, you know, big welcome, right? And we, we we had a lot of uh you know a lot of a lot of supporters down there. Thanks to you, lovely fans. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it was uh, it was made. My my roommate was Troy Vital, so I'm not sure if you guys are. Are familiar yep. with Troy Bidle. So my roommate was Troy Bidle, and uh, you know we uh, I think we only got like fifty dollars. I think we only got like fifty dollars for our uh, for our per diem, and I think we spent like forty of it that first night we were there because we went to go have some expensive ass lobster. You have to go for it. Yeah, we went down and TV. Oh, we call it, we we refer to Troy as TV. So. Uh, TV probably have a better remembrance of this, but uh, 
but he and I, I mean, we hung out there. It was just fun. It was it was great. You know, we all got together. We went to go see uh, Avatar when Avatar just came out, and uh, we were all just together, and, and we were practicing. And, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, we went out one night, and we actually ran into some of the Bowling Green players. Oh. We actually hung out with them. <laughs> That would be awkward. <laughs> Oh, no, it's actually, it wasn't. We were actually hanging out with them. We were all having a good time. Just, uh, you know, just enjoying the atmosphere. And that's the beauty about playing college sports is that college athletes understand where we're coming from yeah. and can relate with one another. So for, for, for both teams to be there where, you know, each team hadn't been to a bowl game and I don't know how long, we were all just, you know, we, we all came together and just enjoyed one, each other's company. And yeah. uh, that, that's what made, that's what made the, the bowl game even more special was the fact that we were uh, both teams were together as one and just having a good time and enjoying each other's company. So I think that's what made it. Final drive, though. I mean, the final drive. Okay, now to go into the game, uh, you know, coming into the final, you know, the final drive, uh, you know, we were all, you know, biting our nails and 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 obviously it was a, uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was it was heartbreaking. Uh, not heart- heartbreaking is wrong. That's the wrong word. It was it was uh, nerve wracking, right? We just sitting there, and then you know once we scored, and uh, after uh, uh, Max, so Max Komar, uh, and to be honest with you, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think that that was it. I, I, don't think that was it. I think we were giving that touchdown uh, because he kind of slid in there. So, on the next play, anyways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying. If 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 they if they had down the ball right there on the two inch yard line, oh that's right, true. We would literally have to run all because we didn't have any we didn't have any timeouts, so we had to score in that play. So, but anyways, so once uh, Max scored and then it was reviewed and then it was uh, you know the, the call stand or the call stood and we were all we all came together trying to figure out okay do we want to go for overtime or do we want to go for the win? And we all made the decision as a team to just go for the win. We want to go for it. And Preston, uh, we did this uh, this one play that rarely, rarely uh, fails. <laughs> the honesty, uh, right? Yeah. So, so it rarely fails. I'm gonna be honest. It was, it was. I mean, the play is, is designed to be ran the way that it did, only for the end zone. And so once, uh, you know, it was like that, the feeling was surreal. We all still, it was just so surreal. It, it was a, it truly was a fairy tale, and. Uh, and for us to be, we were voted, I think we voted one of the best bowl games that uh, that year, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was just, you know, it was, just, it was amazing. It was amazing feeling especially to be able to bring that home. Especially with that timeline of, of staying, you know, through the holidays, through Christmas, really to bomb. do all that and to have that game come down to that, that is such a cool yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of gives you goosebumps. Um, <laughs> my next question is what... It's kind of your best or favorite road game. Like, where did you guys travel to? What stadium were you just like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. Like, this is one of the coolest experiences ever. Death Valley. We went to go play LSU. That's sweet. Because where, where all did you get to play? I'm trying to think. 2008. Was that? So, we went to U of A. So, we played, uh, so we played Arizona. Yeah. Uh, U of A. Biggest, that was the biggest one. Of our, uh, 2009 was, I believe it was UW, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to think. I think UW was the biggest. It was either UW or San Diego State. It kind of depends. I think it was San Diego State because San Diego State was a little bit better than, than UW in 2009. So mm-hmm. I say San Diego State. And then 2010 was Nebraska. Oh. That's when I blew out my knee. Oh. Uh, 2011. 
was, I think it was Virginia. No, it was, I think it was North Carolina. <laughs> so I think it was North Carolina. And then 2012 was LSU. Yeah, so you got to play quite a few. And yeah. you did get to play in Virginia too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you, know what, you know what? Let me take that back. Uh, let me take that back. It was, I think it was 2011 was uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, you got to play. It's the so original 12th man. Yeah, that's <laughs> the original, I guess. original home of the 12th man. Yeah, that's the original home. That's cool. Yeah. It was, it's true, man. We were, it was so loud. Like, loud. And to give you a perspective, now UW is loud. And here at, uh, at uh, CenturyLink is loud. But, mm-hmm. man, you literally... Literally, if you and I were standing, I would not be able to hear you, even if you were screaming at me. So that's why we really worked. So Coach Aki really worked on, he had the big, some big speakers. Yeah, and, um, the noise, the noise makers. The noise makers. Yeah. And we literally relied on, um, we relied on, uh, on signals, hand signals. Wow. It was, it was difficult. Man. Along with, you know, Coach Rob Aki, what was your, your, favorite part about playing for coach Aki? oh man that's coach Aki was a player's coach oh, right? okay. he really genuinely cared about uh care about his players and and one thing he wanted to do was succeed in life that was number one was to to really succeed in life and put you on the right path mm-hmm. and football was actually second to him right mm-hmm. it was really coach Aki was the epitome of a father with a father and that's what you know, that's what i value for him that's why i respect the most about him is his care for his players Mm-hmm. And so he was so relatable. He was so relatable. He never put, you know, himself above anyone else. Right. And it was always, you know, it's always the staff and the players always became, uh, was, well, first of all, the, the players were his number one part. So, and that's what I really respected about him. And he's just a family man and, and he could relate to any player on the field. So right. uh, that play, that's what I really liked about him. I don't think most people ever had an issue with Rob Aki as, as a person. And I think most Vandals still this day wish it would have worked out with him because, I mean, he was he is the perfect he was our encapsulation guy. of a Vandal coach with the raspy voice and the raw, raw attitude. And, man, he might not have ever left. He could have been a Bill Snyder for the U of I. And, you know, just a couple things broke his way. Maybe, you know, kept a couple different coaches or found a couple more Mikey Apotis. But, unfortunately, that's not what happened. And, now we're in the situation that we're in. With that, I'm kind of curious, tying in with Rob Aki, kind of explain the whole recruiting process. Like, what was it like, not just with Idaho, but uh, obviously you can talk about how he ended up at Idaho, but uh, just in general, being a Division One athlete, getting, you know, sought after by all these teams as a 17, 16-year-old. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I started getting recruited when I was a sophomore in high school into my junior year and uh so the in my junior so i didn't really need to get start getting started after having coaches talk to me until my senior year and so uh so i had you know i had uh air force uh byu u of i northern arizona um a couple of ivy league schools that were, that were recruiting me to come to their program and um and montana so i had the university of montana come after me as well big sky <clears throat> yep the big sky mm-hmm. and so uh so essentially what uh so what it is you know yeah i get a whole bunch of letters so you, you usually get letters you know that uh, uh that's really telling you that they're interested in you so letters don't really mean anything until you actually get a call from a coach and oh, wow. uh you know they they schedule a visit to you and then they ask you to come on an official visit so let's use to you for an example coach Libby. Um, oh, who's yeah. a linebacker coach? 
back back in the day. Uh, he was he was the one I was recruiting me hard first, and uh, oh, and Boise State was recruiting me as well. You made the right choice. Thank you. Things went the other way. <laughs> I thought I put that out there, but uh, but anyway, so uh, so Coach Lively came up and uh, you know he was recruiting me hard, and then I I, I had Coach Aki uh, and Coach Lively come out and do a home visit. They uh, so they come to your house, and then after that they ask if you if I wanted they want to bring me out for an official visit. So I come out and you know my. My dad and my parents accompany me. You know, they fly you out. Coach uh, Carr is obviously what will be my my receivers coach. Was the one I picked up from. I uh, picked up from the airport, and uh, you know, kind of showed us around and introduced me to a couple of other receivers and other guys. So Mo Shaw was the one that was hosting me. First day, you know, we have a. Uh, it's funny. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the program, the movie, the program, but uh, it literally is just like that. They have receipt. Or I'm sorry, they have cheerleaders. Right, just waving their pom poms and you know screaming out your name, and then you know you, they take you to the locker room, and then they have like the number that you wore in, in that you, I was wearing in, in high school, uh, you know. So they have my number five out and uh, and everything. So it was nice, you know. They they really they really put some emphasis into it, and so uh, so you know really they just show you around the the campus and introduce you to uh, to a couple of professors, you know, talk to you about what I want to do in life and. And where I want to go, and, and you know what I want to study, and then the uh, then your host, right? Then your host, uh, which was most shot for me, took me out, and we we met up with a couple of other guys that were on on the same recruiting trip. So I had Trey Sean too. So Trey Sean was with uh, was with Shiloh. So that was the first time I met Shiloh, and so we kind of all got together, and and uh, you know they showed us around, and took us to you know some house parties, and making sure that we were having a good time and whatnot. So it's a uh, it, it really is to try and it opens you up. So if I were to try and get you guys to come with me and come to my school, I would really show you the party side of U of I because that's essentially at 17 years old, that's all you want to do is party uh, with the college kids. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a, that's another, uh, that's another incentive to try and get you to go to your school. So that was their incentive to get me to come to U of I. And I chose U of I. The, the reason why I chose U of I is because I didn't want to sit out my, my, freshman year I wanted to come in and play right away U of I was the only school that was offering uh, or giving me that option to come in and play right away instead of sitting out for a year or retro a year so so that was so uh to finish off that was the reason why I chose U of I because I was gonna be able to come in and play right away which I did and you brought up a really interesting point in that conversation there where uh you still have pretty good relationships with a lot of guys on the team including you know Shiloh and Mikey Apati who was actually you were his guest at the NFL Pro Bowl one year, correct? Yeah, so I hit up Mike. Um, uh, this was 2016. Yeah, so well, my family and I we go to to Pro Bowl every year, and I hit up Mike to see if um, you know see if he can give me some tickets. Unfortunately, we didn't, we couldn't link up, so we actually ended up not linking up uh, like we were going to. The funny thing is that he was actually staying in the uh, hotel that was literally right next door to ours. And uh, we just, you know, we all got caught up with our families and people that I hadn't seen in, in a little while since I had been. The last time I was in the Pro Bowl or I was at the Pro Bowl was in 2008. So uh, over the time, you know, we, we developed some friendships. So we got, you know, we kind of got caught up with, with our families and he's with his family and I didn't want to bother him and, uh, and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, so I did heat him up and, and uh, we were going to, you know, take over his tickets. But we didn't, we unfortunately didn't get to link up. So, yeah. And then uh, another fun. kind of, yeah, yeah. And with another kind of point on that, um, another guy who you probably have another decent relationship with, uh, actually, you've 
told me he may be the best practice quarterback of all time. Brian Reader is currently coaching our running back at U of I. I don't know if you knew that he was back on the coaching staff or not, but he, he's back. Uh, yeah, I did hear that. I obviously would love, from what you said, saying he was absolutely, you know, jaw-dropping the watch in practice. I want to see him working with our quarterbacks, but I guess when you're a position coach, you don't always get a – start right away where maybe your best fit. It's kind of they put you where they need you at the time so that when it opens up, it's there. Any good Brian Reader stories you got that, you know, won't get coach in trouble, but uh, anything good or, uh, I mean, you think he's going to do a fantastic job, maybe be head coach someday somewhere? Uh, well, you know, I, I, let's open up the Brian Reader uh, can of jars now. Brian and I <laughs> so close. I want to, you know, put down a record that, you know, at one point in time, Brian and I were, were almost inseparable, and uh, and I love that man. I still love that man to to, to this day. And in uh, my honest opinion, I believe Brian is going to make a hell of a coach. And the reason why I say that is that a quarterback can almost coach any position. And the reason why I say that is because he has to know pretty much every position, um, because a quarterback runs the offense and makes the adjustments uh, appropriately uh, depending on what the defense is going to do. What he expects the defense is going to do so. Brian's going to make a hell of a coach. And unfortunately, yeah, he's coaching the, 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 the running backs. And I really think that he's going to put a good emphasis on the running back position. Not to say, you know, obviously, you know, quarterbacks aren't the most athletic, but they, um, they have really, really, really great knowledge of, of all positions. And I respect it. It's probably the most respect. That's why they get to pay the highest plus uh, because it's the most respected position uh, on the field. To answer your question again, I think that, you know, him starting out and coaching running backs, he's going to do a fantastic job at coaching the running backs because he's played the position of of quarterback. And, you know, he can interpret that or include that that knowledge into the position of a running back to the position of a a receiver, right, Uh, which is why it was so easy. For example, Terrell Pryor, which while was t- so easy for Terrell Pryor to transition into, I mean, he knows the defense exactly was giving you the edge, right? It's almost like, like let's say you put a receiver at at a corner. If you put me at corner now, I may not. I'm an athlete, so I'd be able to pick up the footwork. But the reason why I, I played receiver my whole life, I can tell what I can tell you what uh, route he was going to get based on his mm-hmm. line, based on how you know how he's looking, where his eyes are. Because I'll tell you right now, every receiver always looks at where he's going to be before that ball is snapped. Mm-hmm. Just going back to the point that, you know, Brian's going to make a, a one hell of a coach. Mm-hmm. He's going to do a very good job. So Yeah, I mean, I think you climb up even our ranks now that we're kind of in the FCS, you know, coaches tend to, when they get an opportunity to try some FBS, they might bounce. And I think well, he could be offensive coordinator in a couple of years if, if he wants it here or anywhere else, which makes me want to ask you a couple more questions on the fact of uh, what are your grand thoughts you know, on, on the FCS drop? Obviously, it's a very dividing thing as far as Vandal fans are, are concerned. Some hate it and refuse to root for the product, and some people um, have been calling for it all along, even back in the days when you were playing. And then there's people like TJ and I that weren't necessarily fans, but you know we're starting to warm up to it now that we're we're back in season and we're just happy that there's football and don't necessarily care who the opponents are as long as, you know, the Vandals are still lining up and playing football. Well, here's the question that I will ask anyone, right? Anyone in the general population of in the sports, uh, I guess, in the sports arena, would you rather have a team that gets dropped down into division, but is winning? Or would you rather have a team that's up in division, uh, a tougher division, 
but it's losing all the time. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the question, right? We're not all from England and do that soccer thing where you just try not to be the last three teams every single year. I'm, I'm kind of with you, like I said, now I, I was kind of upset at the time, but you know, hopefully we do end up winning. Like in theory we should. And uh, I think that if we win, people will obviously come back because nobody turns away a winning product. I mean, let's be honest, if North Dakota state, was not winning football. I doubt they would be having as many sellouts in a row as they do. It's if you win, people will show up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that with that, that's kind of all the questions we got for you. Other than some fun ones here to uh, ask you at the end, who are you faster than? We're gonna make. Well, before I wait, 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 just just one more thing to add mm-hmm. on to our uh, to the previous topic. Okay. Am I, am I, you know, in my honest opinion, what they should do, right? They should stay in the, FP, uh, in the FCS mm-hmm. and then gradually add some teams or have teams add them. Obviously, as a matter of fact, teams will add U of I to our FBS teams will add them to, uh, to their schedule. Show that you can beat these teams. And then eventually, as time goes on and you have a winning record, you would be, U of I would be put back in the FBS. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, that's my pipe dream. And I'm hoping that's, Reality. I keep it's saying it. it's a great point. Put our put ourselves in position when the next round of conference realignment happens when these TV contracts end. Be a North Dakota State or a JMU or a Montana, where right. you know the next whack or you know or Conference USA, Mountain West. If they lose some of these conferences, might lose some people. Be one of those teams that are the first call and make the short list. And mm-hmm. all you can do now, there's no reversing what's happened. It's just put yourself in that position going forward. Yeah, exactly. And why do you think? Why do you think East of Washington hasn't has held back from being upgraded to the FBS because they are a dominant force in the FCS? Why would you want to give that up? Yeah. Well, then their facilities are not, and that's saying something coming from Vandal fans. Their facilities are they need some TLC. Mm-hmm. More so right. no, than of course. No, yeah. I agree. but I agree. But, 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 question oh yeah so we're gonna end it with something kind of fun and a little bit lighthearted. we're gonna see who are you faster than and we're gonna start it out easy for you you or usain bolt are, are, we, are we are these serious questions mm-hmm. this one's easy to give you like a, a base mark <laughs> a benchmark? Well, this is such a good question come on you know this <laughs> come on man that's that's literally like saying that's faster a puffer fish a puffer fish or a selfish. Read the bar down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, the, Max Komar or you? Oh, that's, that's easy. That's me. Deontay Jackson or you? Me. Shiloh Keo or you? Definitely me. <laughs> Justin Veltung or you? I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give JB that. JB nice. is a little bit faster. JB <laughs> The last two, are you faster than Mike Iopati? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, what about the last one, Rob Akey? Oh. And the guys got sprints. I see him running out of tunnels. I've seen Coach Coach uh, Coach Aiky run before, and it's uh, it's uh, you know, it's a little disheartened, a little bit. Okay, you're, you're not gonna love it, is what you're saying. <laughs> he's he's struggling. He struggles a little bit. All right, I got one more for you then. What is your most memorable play from college football? It could be a touchdown. It could be making the block for someone. What is your most memorable play? Oh yeah, that's that's uh yeah that's definitely easy. But well, the most memorable play will probably be my first touchdown against uh North Dakota. You know what? While we got you on, you know number twenty five Idaho Vandals at number seventeen UC Davis this week. Who do you got? 
Oh, so you tell me, so go against my alma mater. Uh-huh. Wait, wait, hold on. You asked me my alma mater or, you know, the area of where I'm from. Okay. Uh, so, of course, I'm going to go my alma mater. I'm going with U of I all day on any given Sunday or any, any given Saturday, I will go with. All right, Marcel, well, we want to thank you for stopping in. You, you were, you're a good interview. Uh, maybe we can make this a little bit more frequent because mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I think the listeners are going to love you, and I think they're going to love the uh, – hopefully we can get a couple more players on because I think it's kind of cool to get you guys – your war stories as they were, especially yeah. uh, the FBS guys as we do this whole FCS transition. Once again, just thank you for coming on. Really yeah, appreciate thanks, it. Marcel. That was awesome. And, uh, maybe we'll, we'll see you Saturday and we'll uh, catch this game on, on the – on the television yeah yeah no anytime man. I, I really appreciate you guys uh having me on and if you guys any uh at any time you guys want me to get some uh some of my band buddies uh to 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 participate just let me know and i'll reach out to them i'm okay. sure that they would do this so we we appreciate it uh hopefully next time you're in moscow uh we owe you uh, a nice tub from the club there we go <laughs> hey, as long as it's corona I'll yeah, any- of course <laughs> marcel from corona california only drinks corona all right marcel thanks for stopping by all right, well, we're back. I love his answers. Those yeah. are awesome. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Marcel, good friend of uh, mine, good friend of the pod, good vandal, mm-hmm. really, really good football player. Thanks, but, for, thanks, thanks for letting us ask you some questions. Right? Well. Uh, but <laughs> we don't just have good football players on this podcast. We also have great listeners who ask us questions weekly. We've got a couple hashtag AskTATCs this week to cover. Not as much as last week, but Brian Marceau, I said Marceau last week. He politely corrected me. Marceau. Mm-hmm has two questions for us. One was kind of reflecting what he asked last week, but I said I think this would be a better question after the Stanford game, so he re-asked it, so we'll mm-hmm. re-answer it. Mm-hmm. We'll start with that one, just because some people might have missed last week because they might have taken the bye week off as well. UC Davis lost convincingly to Stanford. How does a UC Davis fan, or how should a UC Davis fan feel going into their matchup with Idaho? Hashtag AskTATC. I'll just say... I know it, they did score kind of late, so it wasn't necessarily as unconvincingly as we made it sound earlier. Yeah. But I would still say 30-10, most people would not have predicted. So I don't necessarily agree with the convincingly part. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to stick to my same answer last week. So I'm just going to say pretty confident. I mean, the way they started the season, I mean, they're in getting votes for the FCS Fans Nation's top 10. They're ranked in all three polls. So, I mean, yeah. confident. And I think showing their first two games before Stanford, um, that was a big step up for their um, organization as well. And and they, you know, they've been here before. They know what it start, takes to start the Big Sky. What these games mean. I mean, not only for their rankings, but for their schedule to start off their conference play with a W is what they want. I mean, it's what everyone wants. It's one hundred percent what I want for the Vandals. Um, but they should be confident, knowing that this is the start of their their tournament run. Is is starting this week? Yeah, I'll agree with that. Let's answer this next question. We have a string of winnable games after UC Davis. How much does the UC Davis game mean to Idaho? Not in terms of obvious win-loss benefit, but building excitement for the program. Hashtag AskTATC. I'll go ahead and answer this one, Start. Uh, first of all, Brian, thanks so much for these questions. These are really, really great questions and really enjoy answering them. Um, I completely agree with the way that the schedule is laid out, that if we come out with a W in this game and the following week is Portland State and after that is Idaho State, we are in great shape for the not only the Big Sky but an FCS ranking. Where we're at right now being 25th and beating a higher-seeded team 
at UC Davis is not is going to look so good for us. Um, so I think not only the benefit, like you said, of, of coming out with a win at UC Davis, but the string of, of games that are going to follow after. This is a really, really big stepping stool, you know, to start at UC Davis and come out with a win to, you know, make a base of a foundation for our FCS run that, you know, we want to put together for this season. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of put it this way. UC Davis is a great first step. And like we kind of covered earlier in the show, I think it's going to be extremely important on how we handle it because you this is your shot to regain your interest. If you win this game, people are going to be like, dude, they're back. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to tune in and watch. Yeah. And then, in theory, we should be far superior than Portland State and Idaho State, obviously, we'll know more after we play UC Davis. Yep. But if you can beat UC Davis, one, you should be a top 25 team mm-hmm. in all the polls, not just our... I do like how we picked the Hero Sports poll, and it's the only one that has this ranked. Mm-hmm. Not that they listen to us. Mm-hmm. Like, well, they might, yeah. but they're not <laughs> picking based on Eventually, us. yeah. Yeah. I think we'll be ranked in all the polls, should be, after beating the what's considered one of the hottest teams in the FCS right now. Then if you can string together a home win against Portland State which should get a lot of people in the dome because most people didn't come from Western New Mexico. And then Idaho State, a bit of a rivalry down there in Pocatello. You get the Boise fans, the Idaho Falls, the Twin Falls, the Sun Valley people to drive over. Mm -hmm. Maybe some fans from Montana. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge game. And then we're playing in Bozeman against Montana State, and that will be a challenge. But right now, with the way their quarterback situation is, we could have a real shot in that one. Southern Utah is not looking very good right now. We could have a really good shot in that one. And then we're rolling in the Eastern, possibly with five more wins. Most likely, we'll say you could at least win the two after UC Davis. But I think this is a really good shot to start rolling and really shaking off all the laps yeah. we kind of earned. And I, I like how you put that, the excitement. And that's true, you know, going back to the seasons where we did make bowl games or had, you know, a good record, is that everyone feels it, you know, as a vandal. They get excited about the upcoming game, you know, how we played last week. So this is, a, you know, a good shot for the team to get everyone back on board. Yeah. And, and you know, it, not everyone is excited as we are for nope, this that's game. That's our job. So, um, I, you know, if, you know, we come out with a win here and the next games are, what, one, two, three, Root, Pluto TV, Pluto TV, Root Sports, Pluto, like, there's going to be a good following ready to go to hop on board for this uh, first FCS season. Yeah, and like I said, Four and one and ranked headed into Montana State sounds a lot better than three and two possibly getting some top 25 votes but being towards the bottom of the top 25 if you earn that much respect for beating Portland State and Idaho State. Yeah. I think UC Davis, you win that. You should win the next two and then we've got a real, I mean, we've got a title match at at Bozeman. Yeah. That's going to be our game where like. People are going to be like, heck yeah. And luckily, I already have tickets. I already there have a hotel. So yeah. And the confidence for the players, too. You know? yeah. And it's Montana State's homecoming. That will be a big one. And it's on. that's the one that's on route, correct? Yep. Yeah, that will be like the biggest game the Vandals have maybe had since they played Boise State. In yeah. the, or I guess other than a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely. That was a long-winded answer to your Ask TATC. Yeah, thank you, Brian. I really like that question. And then we have mm-hmm. Nick Stutzman at Nick Marv Stutz. How will the renewed rivalry with Simon Fraser shape up <laughs> Idaho's FCS future? Hashtag ask TATC. 
Are you, Nick, are you a fan of he, Simon Fraser? He Frazier? asked us not to use that. Oh, okay. So just be warned. If you're going to use hashtag AskTATC, actually, no, we want people to use it. Use it whenever you want. But I thought it brings up a good point because it brings up a good conversation in the fact that it's interesting to see that we're already seeing the impacts of dropping to the FCS. That instead of traveling to NIU, who's a team who might be having worse budget problems than anybody in the country right now, we decided to schedule Simon Fraser, which can be fun. It's kind of a local-ish team. It's Canadian. You might be able to sell some tickets. It's another home game in the Dome. I mean, I'd rather have with the FCS schedule where you're not guaranteed like we were in the FBA. Well, you aren't guaranteed it, but you usually had six home games. Some of these FCS schools only have four. We have five this year. Most teams have five. If we can get six and kind of be like a Montana where like we have the money like to pay teams. people to come in, yeah. I, I'd like to have six home games in the Dome every year. I don't want to go back. Five is just That's not a enough. That's a good point. Yeah. Not enough. I mean, and if it's local too, if it's something that at a school that people recognize around the area and you it's know. It's a rival for lacrosse. Right? Yeah, go. So hopefully we'll get those lax guys down there. Coming to the dome. Yeah. Corner, stool, takes. TJ, should I start? Or you've been getting hot recently. You started, what do we call it, lukewarm? And yeah, you, then I you got did. like kind of hot. Now you're scorching. What do you got first this week? Man, I'm going to go with Colton Richardson throwing four TD passes this weekend. Four TD passes? Four TD passes, yeah. And I think it's going to come from a couple of screenplays. I think it's gonna, one's going to come from Isaiah. Nice little screenplay. You know, he's going to find a hole and get through there. I think um, one of them to Unger. I think it's going to be a nice little slant right in the red zone. And then maybe see a deep ball to Cotton again. And then another one picked up. Uh, I think this is the game that Richardson separates himself a little bit. And we said that the first two games. Yes, but well, I, I did actually. To be fair, I did. I think it's something. I think this is the game, and I really hope if you're listening, Colton, get out there. Let's get it. I think We're ready for you to prove us right. I think we've this been behind you. We've supported Mason. Mm-hmm. But we've been calling for you to be the starter. I think it's just time to step up and win that job. Yeah, and uh, throw first four touchdown, first touchdown pass to Mason. There you go. Hey, thank you for for There's my fourth right there. there <laughs> All right, uh, my cornerstool take apparently is that Colton Richardson will throw a touchdown pass to Mason Petrino, but my original one was that I think we're going to run for 300 total yards. Oh. I think between Sounders and Bamis and Johnson and the fact that uh, I think we're not going to want UC Davis to be throwing the ball all around the yard. We're going to try to control the clock and uh, win it with running game and defense, a little old-school Seahawks um, or you know multiple other teams. Yeah. But I'm a Seahawks fan. Don't but, bring them up. Hey, you know the Vandals are gonna finish, might finish with more wins than the Seahawks. Yeah. But yeah, I can see us trying to really just control the ground game and they've given up some good amount of rushing yards so I, I'd be excited Excited to see our running backs, quarterbacks, maybe some fly sweeps from Unger. Yeah. Gets 300 total running yards. I guess uh, next week we'll come back and we'll know who had the actual top take and cold take since we're both on the opposite end of the spectrum. That's true. (laughs) Or we could run for 300 yards and And Colton could throw four four. short touchdown passes. Let's get it. That'd be awesome. All on play action. (laughs) That'd be awesome. That would work. That would work. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, watching the TV where we kind of do all the big sky and the rest of the FCS nation little coverage that some people love, some people hate, but we're going to continue to do it because uh, our friends at FCS Fans Nation do a great job of Hosting the Pick'em. Yeah, they really do. I think it's important to keep everyone informed on what's going on in the Big Sky. Mm -hmm. So the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Mm -hmm. TJ, 
I went three and four last week. You weren't here, so I wasn't able to record your picks. This week, we've got some real big matchups. Are you ready to pick them here live in front of all the guests? Because you haven't put your picks in this week either yet, have you? That's why, you know, this is two for one. I'll get both two of them going. One. He's going to go check his and his. get them in. All right. Number 18, Delaware, at number one, North Dakota State. NDSU. Yeah, I will take the Bison. I feel like the Bison always lead this off. That was actually peg game of the week. But I feel like most people are going to pick the Bison. It's worth three points. Anyways, for those of you that did sign up and join the FCS Fans Nation, pick them. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, For those of you that didn't, never too late to join. You never know. You could come back or stay tuned for next year. Number 11, Sam Houston State versus Nichols. I went with Sam Houston State on this one. I went with Sam Houston State as well. I think they're going to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Richmond versus number 24, Stony Brook. I am going with the Spiders of Richmond. Me Sweet. as well. Number 15, Sam Bird versus Chattanooga. Chattanooga. I'm going with the ranked Samford in this one. I really like Tennessee for some reason. Now that we're not in the FBS, I kind of root for Appalachian State. So I'll go Chattanooga. That was a terrible parallel. Yeah, great. And then uh, we'll pick it because we didn't really pick it, actually. Usually we do. Number 25, Idaho versus number 17, UC Davis. The true game of the week. And the true game of the week. I'm going to go with the number 25, Idaho Vandals. Score prediction? Uh, I need my four TDs in there. <laughs> 28 points. I'm going to go 35-28. I am going to predict that we go 24-17, and we win. Number 23, Sac State at number 16, Montana. Going with the Grizz. I took the Grizz as well. Mm-hmm. Then we have Yale versus Cornell. Oh, Ivy League action. Go Big Red. Andy Bernard. Let's go with Cornell. All right. I'm going to take Yale. Maine at the FBS Central Michigan Chippewas. Let's go Chippewas. Central Michigan. Yeah, I'm taking the Chippewas as well. They're not very good, and I'm pretty high on Maine, but uh, stick to the common theme that I think most of the FBS teams will do all right against FCS. But this will be one where I could be totally wrong. Maine's pretty good. Uh, we were almost wrong on UConn last week. Yep. Big Sky. I went eight and three. Sean went nine and two. Martin went ten and one. Nice, Martin. Yeah, well Martin, done. Martin <laughs> killed it last week. Yeah, with confident picks too. And I was Martin listening. was supposed to be on the pod this week, but I had issues getting him on it. So don't hold it against him. I'm still listening to your reviews that want more Martin. But this week we have Cal Poly at. Number nine, Eastern Washington. I'm taking the Eagles. Yeah, same here. Idaho State at North Dakota. North Dakota. I took North Dakota as well. Mm-hmm. Montana State at Portland State. The MSU Bobcats. I'm taking MSU as well. Southern Utah at the North oh. Arizona Lumberjacks. I know the two teams that have kind of been disappointing this year. And it will be a good matchup. Yeah, the disappointingly good matchup. Northern, Arizona. Disappointing Northern Arizona. Let's go Lumberjacks. You're going Lumberjacks? Yeah. I took the Lumberjacks as well. Ah, man. <laughs> but I just think Southern Utah does not look good. And yeah. the Lumberjacks have just had a little tough a little run bit, at it. Yeah. Then we have Northern Colorado at number eight, Weber State. Let's go with the other WSU, Weber State. The other WSU, Weber State as well for mm-hmm. me. All right, TJ, it's the saddest time of the podcast. But it's also the most exciting time of the podcast because it means... Game day is just two days away. Mm-hmm. Time to close the bar. Time for our shameless plugs. TJ, what do you got going on in your life? Um, not too much for plugs this week. Uh, I just like to say thank you for everyone who 
participate in the polls, uh, the questions, and Marcel for coming on. Uh, it's really cool. It, it helps us out a lot, and it makes a lot of fun when we get you know feedback. You could throw us whatever, um, but it really helps us, and we enjoy a lot. We, we really like doing this, so we're getting better, and uh, go Vandals. Yeah, so my shameless plug this week is just, I guess, how excited I am and how excited you guys should all be to watch the game this week. I can't tell you the last time, honestly, and I'm practically a Vandal encyclopedia on some things, the last time we were ranked playing another ranked team in football. Tune in. It's free on that Pluto TV app that we seem to shamelessly plug all the time for free. Tune in. It's free. Download it on your devices and come support these guys because this could be a big game of big implications. Thanks again, everyone, um, for tuning in and letting us have our shameless plugs. You can take out your headphones now. Thanks for joining us for about another 60 minutes or so of your life every single week. We really do truly appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to let the best band in all the land, the Sound of Idaho, play us out. And uh, TJ, go Vandals. Go Vandies.